You know, what is so unique, and I, I discovered this in the first service, the praise team really didn't know anything about this. They knew we were starting a new series, but they did not know exactly where we were going in this series in week one. And, and what we discovered was this song that we've been singing goes exactly with the message that God is delivering to you this morning. Is that not incredible how the Holy Spirit works? So let me just say this. Here we are in week number one of a brand new series called Summer Remix. Somebody say remix. Remix. It's a series that we've kind of been doing something similar over the last several summers. I know you've been on your feet for a while. I know it. Just stay on your feet for another moment. I promise I'm going to have you sit down in a minute. It's a series that we've been doing over the last several summers where what we do is we take the, the series from the previous year, we let you vote on those series, we repackage those series that you want to revisit, and then we give them back to you in a fresh way. However, this time, the staff chose which series to revisit. So today, we're revisiting a series called Rise Up. Somebody say, Rise Up. Look at your neighbor and say, Rise Up. Let me give you this thought. This thought, it's not even in your notes, so I want you to grab this in your spirit. Sometimes it is not what the enemy steals from us, but rather what we forfeit. And the reason why there is a forfeiture in our lives is because we don't understand who God is and who we are in relation to God. Hello? So, so I want you to take your Bibles and turn with me to the narrative of Scripture that we will read today at Psalms 139. Verses 1 and following. But as you're turning there, let me do some work to set up some direction for where we're going today. And I want to read something to you over in 1 Samuel chapter 16, just two verses that will establish the context for our conversation. Here's what happens in these few verses. It says, Jesse, 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 10. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. Somebody say, not chosen. So he asked Jesse, are these all of the sons that you have? And he says, there is still the youngest. He is tending the sheep, Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives, verse 12. So he sent for him and had him brought in. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. Hmm. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. Somebody say, rise up. I find this somewhat contradictory because in the previous verse, Samuel, the great prophet, says, I will not sit down until his arrival. But then in this verse, it says, God says to him, rise up and anoint him. There is some incredible context to the concept of, of rising up. And I want you to grab this in your spirit because I don't know who this is for, but here is, is David who feels rejected, feels dejected, feels left alone, feels like no one recognizes him, no one notices him, he's undervalued and unappreciated, he's in the field tending sheep while there is a king selection party at his house that his seven brothers have been invited to, but he has not been invited to. I don't know who this is for, but maybe you're in the same place that David was in, 
you feel like you're left out in the field. But I need you to know something about David because years later, David wrote Psalms chapter 8 and one verse in particular in that Psalm that is absolutely overwhelming is that David said, who am I that God is mindful of me? Who am I that God is mindful of me? He's drawing our attention. He's articulating for us in the truth that God knows who we are, not just conscious of where we are or, or our existence, but he's actively engaged and involved in who we are, where we are, because he loves us, he created us, he built us, he made us in his image, and therefore he knows us. That should bring hope to your heart today. That should change the concept of the very verse that he's an ever-present help in a time of need. That should change the verse that he has plans for you. Plans not to harm you, but to prosper you. I don't know if I have anybody in this place who can help me celebrate the fact that God knows you and he's aware of your need and he'll meet your need. My God shall supply for all of my needs according to his riches and glory. There's this old colloquial saying that says, it's all in who you know. How many of you have heard that statement? It means that your success in that certain area is greatly dependent upon you knowing someone in that area. I want to flip the script on that today. It's not all in who you know. It's all in who knows you. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and give to them the title. It's all in who knows you. It's all in who knows you. You see, God doesn't. It's not that he's just aware of your existence. He's greatly involved in your existence. In fact, let me read to you, and this is where I'm, you're going to be seated in just a second. Let me just read one verse. Can I do that? If you're in Psalms chapter 119, say, I'm there. All right, let the preacher get there. <laughs> Psalms 119, beginning in verse 1. Here's what it says. It says, David writes, you have searched me, Lord. And you know me. There it is. You have searched for me and you know me. The creator of everything that you see and that you do not see knows you and searches for you. This is how intimately he is aware of you. Verse 2 highlights that for us. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. Somebody say rise up. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. We're going to act this out. You know when I sit down. We're going to act this out. And when I rise up, some of you are listening. You know when I sit down, and you know when I rise up, Simon says. Hold on a second. You know when I sit down, be seated this time. Don't stand up. And when I rise up. He says, you perceive my thoughts from afar. Hold on a second. Who else but David can write this passage of Scripture, Darren? Who else but David who's just experienced the rejection of his own family? He's, un he's, he he's undervalued. He's not recognized. He's left out in the field. No one seems to like him. Who else but David can write this? Who found himself in the valley of life and who was able to write a beautiful psalm like Psalms 23? Who else but David who could write, for the Lord is my shepherd and 
I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside of quiet waters. He restores my soul. Mm, Lord have mercy. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear. For his rod and his staff, they comfort me. He prepares for me in the presence of my enemies a table for me to sit at. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. David had a way of making the desert floor a place to rise up. For some of you, it's time to rise up. It's time to rise up against the enemy that's been trying to push you down. It's, try, it's time for you to rise up. It's time for you to rise up and be all that God has created you to be. It's time for you to rise up as husbands, rise up as wives, rise up as moms, rise up as dads, rise up as employees, rise up as employers, rise up because his power and his presence will give you the ability to be all that he called you to be. It's time for you to rise up in love even when you don't feel love. It's time for you to rise up in, in success even when others have said you're a failure. Good Lord Almighty. I better stop before I start to preach. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, I'm rising up because God knows me. Let me read verse 2. Verse 3, let's pick it up in verse 3. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all of my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before. You lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise, someone say rise. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. Let me pause here for a moment. Because you need to understand that this psalm is written as a song. A worship song that David would worship too. But let's just, let's just keep it real for a minute. How many times in our lives are the songs that we're singing in worship, how many times do they look so different than the life that we're living because what we're singing God, praising God for, what we're singing to God seems to contradict the situation that's in our lives. How many times has the happenings in our lives contradicted the promises of, of God that are coming out of, of our worship how many times have you found yourself in the place saying, God, where are you at in this? Where are you at in this crisis? Where are you at in this situation? Where are you at in this financial disaster? Where are you at in this business problem? Where are you at in all of this? How many times have you said, I just don't feel appreciated. I feel undervalued. I, I don't feel like my gifts are enough. I don't feel like my giftings are enough. In fact, I don't feel like I have any giftings. It seems like everyone else is promoted in front of me. Let me tell you this, where you are or even where you have been is not an indicator of who you are or where you're going. Somebody needs to grab this. Where you are or where you have been is not an indicator of who you are or where you are going. Here is, here is, is, is David writing 
all of this wonderful knowledge that is too lofty for us to fully understand is so he says and it comes after all of the rejection that he's faced in his life i don't know who this is for but really yes i do for anyone in this place who's ever felt unnoticed or unappreciated or undervalued or or confused where you are where you have been it's not an indicator of who you are or where you are going understand that the place that you are in God wants you to use it as leverage for who you know because what David was saying in this psalm is it doesn't really matter where you have been what matters most is who's been with you while you've been there and even though the enemy has come against you he didn't do enough to keep you down because God is saying rise up Who better can write this than David, who was left out of the king choosing party, who's left out in the field, a meaningless job as as a shepherd. Listen, we've kind of glorified shepherds all of these thousands of years later, but it was a meaningless task. Not invited to his own house when the prophet Samuel came to choose the king. He understood the rejection. He understood the pain. He understood it. But yet God told Samuel, rise up and anoint him. Let me pause here for a minute and just offer some commentary on this declaration of praise that that David has penned. Because it's one of the most unique psalms in all of the Bible. It's written from so many different literary positions. It's broken into four stanzas, six verses each. But it's both a hymn, or all of these, a hymn, a thanksgiving, a lament of meditation, a prayer. What David is trying to do is draw our attention to to the truth that God knows us. In fact, six different times in this passage of Scripture, he uses the word knows. God knows us. What David is trying to do is to make sure that the audience who is reading this psalm, who is singing this psalm, understand who God is. Because if you have a misconception of who God is, you'll have a misconception of who you are. And if you don't know who you are in relation to who God is, then you'll forfeit your future by walking away from the very destiny that God has predestined for you. And so here is David writing Psalms 139, verse 1, that God, you know me, you search me out. It starts out as a prayer, but it moves into praise, where David is trying to give us this clarion description of who God is in comparison to the other gods who were being worshipped during his day. You see, the other pagan gods who were being worshipped during his day were known to be hostile towards men and women we're known to be indifferent towards men and women but yet david writes out you searched me out oh god you searched me out it's a hebrew term that carries with it great significance 
you searched me out. It, it means that not only did you create everything, but you created me. Not only are you everywhere, but you're everywhere with me. Not, not only do you know everything, but you know me. There is this intimate connection when he says you have searched me out and you know me. And again, think about this psalm with the backdrop of David's life and the context in which it was written. Here is David reflecting on his life towards the end of his life, remembering every time that God has showed up. And he's going all the way back to the time that he was a kid. And God told Samuel, go to Jesse's house, which is David's dad. Go to Jesse's house and anoint the future king because one of his sons is the king. And so Samuel starts the journey towards Jesse's house. Jesse finds out that Samuel, the great prophet, is coming to his house to choose the king. So he brings in seven of his sons. He tells them to get ready. They put on their best clothes. They take a bath because it's on Sunday. He begins to articulate for them the conversation that they must have with Samuel when Samuel begins to interview them. So he brings out his oldest son first because his oldest son is the one he's most proud of. His name is Eliab, and Eliab strolls out for Samuel to see. And the Bible says that Samuel was so impressed that he jumped up and he said, he's, he's got the appearance. He looks like it. And God said, whoa, 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 no. I'm not looking for the appearance. I'm looking for the right heart. So he said, do you have any other sons? He said, yep. Son number two, come on out. Son number two, come on out. Samuel, the great prophet, said, No. Son number three, he came strolling out. Samuel said, no. Son number four, no. Son number five, no. Son number six, no. Son number seven, no. The number seven in the Bible means completion. Therefore, it was a complete no. Samuel's confused because he's like, God, you told me to go to Jesse's house. Jesse has all of his sons here. You said that one of his sons would be the king. And so he looks at Jesse and he says, Jesse, do you have any more sons? Um, not, not, that, not that I'm proud of. Not that I think are, are worthy of, of this position. Not that I think think have the giftings, the right giftings, the, the right stature, the right appearance, the right this, the right that for for, for this. And, uh, not not that no. In fact, when you go back and look at First Samuel chapter sixteen, he doesn't. He when he finally says yes, there is another son. He doesn't even call him by name. Yes, there's another one. He's he's just out in the field. And Samuel says, "Send for him. I'll wait." David is the eighth son. The number seven in the Bible means completion. The, the number eight in the Bible means new beginning. So he sends for David, and David comes in. And most theologians and preachers, they emphasize the rejection that David must have felt during that moment. Most of the time, they preach on that rejection. When he got to the house, and he realized that there was a party that he was not even invited to. 
Nobody else called. Nobody else thought about him. Nobody else thought that he's out in the field. No one else thought that. Hold on a second. There's one more son. Nobody else thought he was worthy to be invited to the party. Nobody else thought that he had enough value to be invited here. So they always talk about the rejection that he must have felt. But if you study David's life, you realize that this was not a one-time rejection, but rather he had a lifestyle of rejection. But yet he could write, who am I that God is mindful of me? He could write, you know me and you search me out. You know the very time that I sit down, the very time that I rise up before the words are formed on my mouth. You know me. You knew me before I was ever even conceived. You know me. You know my insecurities. You know my problems. You know my difficulties. You know me. So that's why David could write one of the most beautiful verses in the Bible, in my opinion, verse 5. Verse 5, here's what he says. You ought to circle this in your Bible. He says, you hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Oh, hold on a second. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. This is one of the most beautiful verses because it carries with it this word picture that I, that I need you to grab. Jeremiah, come here. Come on, come on. David, come on. Need your help. You're going to volunteer. All right, you're going to stand right here. Stand this way. Face that way. I'm behind you. He says, you hem me in behind and before. You, you're, you're behind me, okay? All right. So it says, you hem me in behind and before. I need you to grab the value of what David is writing. That actually means, here, turn around this way, Jeremy. You're looking at yourself on the camera. Here we go. Just kidding. All right, come, 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 come this way. Okay, so it also says in that translation that God places his hand upon me. David wrote that. Some of your translations say that his hand is over you. He places his hand upon you. Here, all right, you put your hand. All right, come on. All right, put this hand. Okay, here we go. The Bible says that he's hemmed you in before and behind, meaning that there is nothing that can get to you without God's permission. Anybody ever been in a fight in here? Anybody ever been in a fight in here and like you're in a fight and you're like, you want to get to him, you got to go through me? That's really what, what, what's happening here. He's hemmed me in before and behind. He's hemmed me in before and behind. No matter where I go, he's, he's with me. He's hemmed me in before and behind. He's hemmed me in before and behind. But hold on a second. I need you to grab this because the reader who was reading this 2,500 years ago, their minds go to an image. The Jewish reader who hears he's hemmed me in before and behind, their minds go to the Exodus. When the Israelites were, were exiting, if you will, out of Egypt, the Bible says that God hemmed them in before and behind. He used the pillar of cloud by day and the fire by night. The Bible says that he used that in order to confuse the enemy. So when they were moving about the desert, the enemy was confused. He also used that so that when they were hot during the day, the cloud by day was, was bringing them protection. When they were cold at night, the fire was there. Are you, are you with me? 
Are you with me? So what they were seeing was every time that they moved around in the desert, they saw God. So when they didn't know what to do, there was God. When they didn't know how to react, there was God. When they didn't know which way to go, there was God. When they came out of brokenness, there was God. When they had insecurities, there was God. There was God. There was God. I don't know who this is for, but you need to grab hold of this. You see, we always teach this in Christendom that, that, that we should keep God in the middle of everything that we do. And there's great significance to that. However, this verse tells us one of the greatest attributes of God. One of the greatest attributes of God is that God keeps you in the middle. So you might not realize that you are in the middle of something. You may think that, hey, where I'm at, it's, it's worthless. Nobody notices me, but let me tell you something. God notices you. He's before you. He's behind you. He's with you. So you need to rise up. You might not know where you're going. You might not even like where you're at, but God has a plan for you. And that plan is not to harm you, but to prosper you. That plan is to give you a hope and a future. Good God Almighty, somebody help me pray. So rise up. Look at your neighbor and say rise up. Some of us are so focused, we're so destination-minded that we lose focus, that God is with us every step of the way. And what God is doing with us right here, right now, is the preparation for where we're going. So stop looking at the destination and start realizing that God is with you, that he knows you, and that he is for you, and that he created you, and that you are beautifully and wonderfully made in him, crafted in his image. Y'all can be seated. Thank you. Y'all give it up for them. So, verse 13, give me verse 13. Verse 13, it says, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Verse 14, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, I'm wonderful. Look at your other neighbor and say, I'm wonderful. Somebody look at the camera and all the people who stayed home or at the beach on vacation, whatever, say, I, you're wonderful too. <laughs> Hold on a second. I need you to grab this. Remember how this all started out. David felt rejected. His whole life he really did. Even after he was anointed king, his dad tells him to take a sandwich out to his brother on the battlefield. Here, boy, take the sandwich. When he gets out there, his oldest brother, who thought he was the king because he had the right appearance, he said, boy, why are you even here? You can't even tend a few sheep that you're tending. Rejection his whole life, but yet he writes, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Oh, Lord, have mercy. I don't know if you're grabbing this. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. What David is doing is he's looking back at his life and he's thanking God for every time God just met him there. He was before him and behind him. David didn't even know he had a need, but God answered his prayer. How many of you realize that God sometimes meets your need when you don't even know you have a need? How many of you are thankful that God meets your need when you don't know that you have a need? How many of you are so, how would your praise change if you knew right now God was about to bring you out of the field? He was about to elevate you. He was about to anoint you. He was about to say, come on out because I got something great for you. Verses 15 and 16. Watch this. He says, my frame was not hidden from you. Did you grab that? 
you know why? Because you're in the middle. Somebody say you're in the middle. You're in the middle. In other words, God is before you and behind you. He knows you. You're in the middle. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body all the days you ordained for me were written in your book before one of them ever came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts. In other words, God knew him before he was ever in his mother's womb. He knew him before he was ever conceived. He knew him before the foundations of the earth were laid. You know, these two verses are so powerful because these two verses, 15, 16, really three verses, 17. Anytime you do research on these three verses, they are always paralleled with a verse in the New Testament. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, Paul writes about the very thing that David is talking about, and he builds on the soliloquy that David has written. And he says this, he says, for he chose us. Somebody say, he chose me. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, I'm chosen. Hold on a second. For he chose us. It's all in who knows you. For he chose us in him. It's all in who knows you. Before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight and in his love. Hold on a second. He chose me that greek phrase is the greek word eklego eklego it's, it's very much like what it sounds like like ek and then lego how many of you have ever used or played with legos you know what i'm talking about it's the building blocks if you will a similar comparison to what this word means it's a classical greek term that has great depth to it it actually means out, I say. Like, come out, I say. Because I have designed you specifically and specially. I have designed you specifically and especially for a specific purpose. Out, I say. Come out, I say. It's a military term which means that you have been chosen for a very special reason, for a very special purpose. Eklego, out I say. I don't know again who I'm talking to, but some of you feel like you've been left out. You don't know what to do. You don't, you don't feel valuable. You, you feel underappreciated. You feel unappreciated. You feel like somebody left you or walked away from you or doesn't like you or, or you're not promotable on the job or the fiasco in your life is who you are. I don't know if you're grabbing hold of this, but God is saying to you, Eklego, out I say. I have chosen you. I have my eye on you. I said come out I say your family may have ignored you but I did not I spoke you into existence you did not sneak into existence I spoke you into existence and you were alive because I willed it to be so and because I've willed it to be so that means that your life will not return void some of you need to realize you've got to rise up rise up and be blessed because it's no other person who determines your blessings it's all in who you know 
Not It's all not in who you know, but all in who knows you. You ought to give him a praise up in this place. You need to rise up because you're fearfully and wonderfully made. You need to rise up in your emotions. Rise up in your family. Rise up in your body. Rise up in your school. Rise up in your business. Good Lord, have mercy. Somebody say rise up. It's not in who you know. It's in who knows and who knows you. It's in who knows you. It's all in who knows you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Handcrafted in the image of God. And God today is saying, I know you. I've searched you out. Eklego. Out, I say, because I have designed something so special for you. It's time. It's time. It's time to rise up. Rise up in every single area of your life. Stop living in the past. Because all you're doing is allowing the enemy to control your future. Give it away. Give it to God. Because the same David who felt the rejection ended up being king. He realizes, thank you, Lord. He realizes he was handcrafted. The same one who was rejected was a shepherd, was a soldier, was a hero, was a poet, was a king. And Jesus came. From the line of David. Out, I say.